<laughs> True sibling uh, fun fun. Um, <laughs> what? what? What do you mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. a.m. Saturday, August the 1st, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Yeah, it's August, Diane. Bill is regaling me with stories from his youth. (laughs) If we try to contextualize the laughter, the show will be twice as long. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Here we are once again on a Saturday morning with the uh, with, we got cloud cover, so I'm chipper. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, cloud cover just does something uh, wonderful to <laughs> Billy Bob's mood. Don't I don't know why exactly. When you look out on the glaring sun, the first thing in the morning, you're gonna like. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm gonna take me a sip. The whole day is gonna be like this. <laughs> yeah, ham and eggs. This is nice. It'll probably sun up later, which that's fine. Didn't mean to go down that little side trail there, but here we are. It's another Saturday morning. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. Uh, next week will be much less hectic, and Diane's gonna tell you all about that. Go over to you, Diane. <laughs> It's only going to be less hectic in my life because well, I am now on furlough. Yes, but you have to understand that your life occupies the center of our home. Yes, that's true. Yes, so it makes all of life uh, resonate with it, whatever qualities it possesseth. Possesseth. That's not an easy word to say. Possesseth. And it's interesting how when, how when? when you have... N- when you truly have a week that's coming up that you are not going to be working at all, I just feel more relaxed it's a different than kind of the a, weekend. Or there's just something about it. I slept in this morning. I, I mean, for that us, is because our bodies get used to exactly how long, uh, you know, Friday night to Monday morning is, and they they kind of front load the sensations. You know, on Saturday morning you can feel the whole length of your weekend sitting out, out there in front of you when you've got the weekend plus five days plus another weekend in front of you your body doesn't quite know how to calibrate so it kind of gives you this floaty feeling which yeah. is which is nice it's, it's very not a bad nice. feeling now if it was a floaty feeling caused by the fact that you know you were you had to be back at work tomorrow or something like that it wouldn't be a floaty feeling it would be a heavy feeling but i think it's a i think it's an actual something that's happening in your body this kind of difference that you're noticing well, and I, especially because I've had the most insane summer push. The that, most insane, Diane. Well, Are you sure you want to claim that spot? I don't the know. The most insane, maybe in context of your previous summers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because your summers have always, since I've known you, yeah, I've always have been always been summer. an intense time of year. And a time of confusion and frustration and stuff like that. Because right. it is the time, I think, of the year more than any other in your job wherein the performance of other people affect the quality of your day-to-day job and it's a it can be a very frustrating thing and well and i for me this year there was more of it than mm-hmm. i'd ever had and uh and then the added bonus of a lot of uh 
human resources issues that are created by uh, by our by other people's furloughs and uh, because yeah, all of us wouldn't you say that been... your job is about kind of collating organizing processing and putting forward collections of information that are provided to you by other people yeah I would say so that, yeah. that is the essence of your job and that's not what it was like when you were in pharmacology. I mean, you did yeah. a good deal of that, but there was a lot of things that you were... Well, I had control yeah, over you most were, stuff. You were the one who was setting the agenda day to day. Right. right. But the other thing uh, that has influenced all this is the fact that we had a person that had to quit, that we, you know, that yeah. we just are short-staffed, that... Other people were on furloughs because all of the School of Medicine Dean's office, of which I am employed, had to have to take two weeks of furlough uh, in the before September, the end of September. So this, this is my first furlough. This is a unique period in human history in that the oh, people man. who the people who don't have work are in trouble, and the people that do have work are in trouble. Yeah, it's true. You know. Because a lot of the people who are working are working in very uh, different circumstances. Well, and also before the plague times hit. Yeah, footing footing a lot of the the pain of the bills, so to speak. Right. Um, but it's interesting that when you are telling people that you're wor- working within other departments and all that. Uh, that you're going on furlough, everybody has this interesting comment. It's always the same. It's sort of like, I'm sorry that you have to go on furlough, but I hope that you enjoy the time. And since I've never been on furlough before, I, I've been thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this furlough. (laughs) And a lot of the people in our group have said that they've looked forward to their furloughs. So it's a very interesting, you know, you're, you're having less, less money coming in, but you're also having this, this time where you cannot check into work, even if you wanted to, you you have to to act like you're not there. That's like you're unemployed. And I have never been in that circumstance since I've been working. Um, so it's, it's an interesting feeling. Well, I hope that you will continue to describe it in detail. I definitely you will. Since since, you might. <laughs> since you're the only one here. That's right. We do tend to <laughs> and, and bounce these kinds of things off each other. These kinds of new sensations that are coming along. Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. Because people think getting old is boring. It's not boring, people. It's not boring. You boy. You young people out there. It's good coffee. Both of you. It's not boring. It's gonna get. It gets very interesting. Very. I. Very. I want to just make a comment that I was very happy to hear from Kath Siskowski, who wrote to me and said that she actually listens to the Bill and Diane show regularly. No, I mean like all the way through? I think so, because she talked uh, about yeah, the music. Yeah. Oh, I mean, did? unless she's skipping through well, all yeah, the... Well, yeah, that's what know. I think. I think people probably listen to the first five minutes, you know, the goofy part, and then they skip to the music. <laughs> that's what they do. And that's uh, fine, you know. I mean, no, if that's, she talked about some kidding. of the topics that we talk about. Right. Sometimes but, I feel like we should, uh, someone, should volunteer and say, "Hey, I want to make a Spotify playlist of all the music from the Bill and Diane show." That would be quite a uh, playlist. Oh yeah. It. If you think about it, since we're in three our three hundred and something episode. I wanted to tell 
everyone with the comment that she made because I thought it was so interesting. She said that she really liked hearing familiar voices on podcasts, you know, somebody that she knows. And, mm. and I would say that's true of me. I really like, and even if you develop that through just listening to a podcast for a long time right. and having that voice become yeah. familiar. Yeah. But I also was thinking, well, it's, I think that for me, the ordinary topics that people can talk about are interesting to me. And that's why when you first brought this up as a possibility and said, we'll just talk like we would talk any Saturday morning, although I'll put on a microphone. And, right. and I was thinking, I like that concept because people's minds really do have a lot of... Uh, a lot of topics and most of the podcasts are only just in selected areas. Uh, well, that's what that's, I, when I you, the, that phenomenon, listening to familiar voices, that's what I used to, that's what made me love radio when I was a kid. That's the thing about radio that Tim and I have always kind of keyed on as being what made it so great is that you were listening to a friend. Yeah. You had this feeling because you got together with this person at uh, this time every day. Exactly. That this was your this was a guy, you know. That's why I like. There's a podcast that I listen to almost every day called "Too Beautiful to Live," that started out as a radio show on Cairo Radio in Seattle on the AM back in 2008, and I used to listen to this on the AM radio when I was driving between Chelan and Twist because when you're out in the middle of Eastern Washington and at night, you can pick up AM radio. I used to be able to listen to KGO San Francisco. Wow. From, from, yeah, and it was, came in clear as a bell. Wow. At, at this particular time of night because AM signal skips off the atmosphere and bounces back down in various other locations. So AM radio can be heard miles and miles away, whereas FM can't. It's because it's amplitude modulation as opposed to frequency modulation. And so I would listen to this radio show it was just a goofball radio show, and I, you know, you had this sense that it was doomed from day one, because it was very casually put together, and it was just some people sitting around yammering about whatever, <laughs> making each other laugh, and you know, it was like you were you got the got in on a conversation of three people just sitting around shooting the crap, you know, and I just fell in love with it. I thought this is what makes radio great is this sense of connection. And so I still listen to TBTL, even though it's a podcast now instead of a radio show. It was doomed. It lasted about less than three years on Cairo. And uh, now it's, it's been a podcast ever since. And they're on episode 3,000, you know, something. Because they do five shows a week. Oh, my gosh. Monday through Friday. And it's usually about 90 minutes every day. <laughs> it, it, you, you listen and you, you can't believe you're being enter entertained day after day after day after day by two guys sitting around talking about, you know, what happened since yesterday about this and what happened since yesterday about that. And there's all these inside jokes and all these, you know, things like that that have built up over time. And you and there's this texture to it that is consistent. And it's just, it's, it's like comfort food, you know. It just feels like, uh, and things like that can become part of your life. And if the Bill and Diane show has done that for anybody, then it's like, hey, success. That's, that is, that is uh, riches showering down. So thank you for making contact and saying nice things about our show. 
I do really love just chit-chatting on a Saturday morning. And well, yeah, people do it all over the world. Exactly. And, you know, it's just like, okay, so, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I have the impulse to record stuff like this, but what the heck. Well, because of Kath's comment, I was listening to some of our past Bill and Diane shows just for fun yesterday while I was doing some very rote work. And uh, just did it in order of the most popular that uh, mm. show up on the list. Mm. And we've recorded uh, conversations with friends. And I just enjoyed that so much. Hearing the, one of the episodes I was listening to was when it was Emma's graduation. Oh, and yeah. with Sherry and Tim and yeah. Kyle. And I, just everybody just laughing their heads off and i was thinking how much people laugh when they're together mm -hmm. i think it's just the spontaneous joy that has to escape somehow you know missing that sort of thing these days yeah. although you know we have it with each other but i i miss having that with our friends too right i think we're in a period of history wherein we're noticing a lot of these kinds of things in our lives in ways and they they're having a uh, they kind of shimmer <laughs> yeah. a little brighter uh, because everything else has kind of been damped down. There's so yeah. much about life that has been kind of, there's like a blanket's been thrown over it. You can't really quite move around in it like you used with the freedom. You have to kind of push things out of the way. And I think that makes the things that are consistent, the things that are still there, uh, the things that we've relied on when life was hectic are even more luminous when life has is forcefully not hectic and threatening you know or oppressive a lot of words that i would use to describe the current feeling yeah you know. anyway and music is a good relief too don't you think yes that? well i was oh. even going to just say when you were saying that 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 had a lot to do with what the music was that I chose for today because we still have not gone through all the 10. Yeah, I know. Most... I, well, it's probably because we got through mine and we gotten to the point where, you know, all that's left on mine are the ones that both of us picked. Whereas you had a couple of outliers. Yeah. yeah well, so and uh, one of my formative album choices was uh, a combination of two albums, which was. Tim Noah's Wow Wow Wibble Woggle Wazzy Woodle Woo and Jim Valley's Rainbow Planet. And the reason why they were amongst my most formative albums is because I had the complete joy, and it was a complete joy, of being the Victory Music Concert for Kids coordinator. And I think that it all came about because it's kind of funny because you wonder how much of the story in your mind is true. But I have found some evidence because I recently did a, a, an article about Tim Noah's album yeah. as a part of my first album project where I'm talking about the first albums that people had produced. A series that I am enjoying so much. Um, I've only done two. I'm going to be interviewing during my furlough the third group, um, which I'm so excited about too. But when I was writing this uh, this article, I was thinking, 
how how did I do that? I know that I I'm pretty sure I reviewed his album, the Wow Wow Wibble Woggle Wazzy Woogle Woo. You did. And I but I wasn't sure. Oh. And Chris actually went through a lot of the old Victory Music publications because he was curious too and found that I did the review. So I think what happened, because I don't think we were doing a kids concert series before. Right. I think that we identified how wonderful the experience was because uh, Tim Noah, apparently his brother Creed, who was his manager at the time, had approached Chris and asked him whether whether Tim Noah could do a concert for kids at the Perfect Blend in Puyallup, which was one of the the venues that we had at the time. And I think that that was the launching point of the Child's Concert Series. But that was one of the most exciting jobs I've ever had in my life. Well, because when did Rainbow Planet come out? I think maybe around the same time, but it might have even been before. I'm not quite sure. But Tim Noah had been performing in libraries and in schools when we first started uh, asking them to uh, asking Tim and uh, at all to uh, do the concert series and uh, Jim Valley had also been performing in the schools and so this was just another venue for them but the the joy of this venue was that in the schools and in the libraries, they were mostly just doing it for the kids. And in this, the parents got to join. And I have spoken about it before, but I'm just speaking about it again because this is the choice of our music. Uh, it was such a joy for me to watch the parents and the kids interact during these performances because the the parents would be doing the same sorts of silly, funny things that were requested of them by the the performers because the performers always, if they're successful, they're getting the kids to interact. They're having the kids make funny faces. They're having them sing. They're having them doing hand gestures. They're having them dance. So... And the kids aren't going to... I mean, the parents are there to facilitate the kids. So the parents see their role as helping their kids have a good time. Exactly. So that gets the parents involved because, you know, as a parent, you know, you do that for your kids. You'll be goofy as you have ever been in your life if, if it means your kid's going to have a good time. Exactly. Because basically you want the kid to exert physical energy, get tired out so that they will nap effectively so that you'll have a, actually can anticipate a break for yourself later on. That's not just the only reason, but it's a side benefit. You take your kids to a concert like a Tim Noah concert, you know you're going to get some peace afterwards. <laughs> the kid will have exerted and will need to rest. And they're also really excited. Right. It's it, To them, it's like a superstar experience, you know, a celebrity performance. Right. And I really noticed that when the, when the concert would end and Tim or Jim were asked to sign autographs and all that, I thought, oh, wow, this is... This is kid celebrity, you know. Um, but that led to a, a whole series of things for that concert for kids series. I did. I had storytellers come in. I had all sorts of people 
do things, and I just and a lot of the performers that we had known in Victory Music were suddenly banding together and creating a little children's yeah. trio or something that they would do, yeah, so that they could play at the kids' concerts too. It was a you know it was suddenly a viable uh, income stream for some of these itinerant musicians in the yeah. area too. So Cat- I, mean, I thought about I thought uh, very seriously at that time of working up a kit set for kids because I had my baritone uke and I had you know. A lot of the weird songs that my dad used to sing to us and stuff like that. I figured I could probably put together a, a viable set, not an entire show, but a set. I could be, you know, opening for Tim Noah or something like that, and do a little. Because I knew I could be goofy, but I never did that. It was probably a lost opportunity. I'd probably be rich and famous, and would be living in the south of France right now <laughs> if I had just picked up my baritone uke and. Song Kathleen Macaulay, Hokum Stokum Alabala Hokum Bokum Tokum was her name. Well, and you've made up little ditties yourself many, many times. It's true. So anyway, I, I enjoyed it so much, and but all that being said, uh, because when I was interviewing Tim for the the article, you were actually monitoring the. Yes, we were yeah. attempting to record uh, uh, the audio, and I think I will not do it that way again. I think if we're going to do the next one, it needs to be on Zoom. Yes. Okay. And I can record that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Nonetheless, you said that you just went in to set it all up. Uh, right, and I was just going to turn it on and then leave, or turn the monitor down and let it record, and I was going to you know, do other things in my office, but I immediately engaged in the conversation, um, and couldn't I couldn't uh, disengage from the conversation so I sat there and listened to the whole thing partly I was trying to equalize the sound and make it audible because one of the things that I was confronted with was the fact oh this audio is not listenable as it is I need to make some changes and while I was making changes I got hooked into the conversation it was just so fascinating because uh, it really showed me what a group effort success is you really need to have a a small or large band of people pulling for for the success and uh i always knew that creed and mary were a, a huge part of tim's success and the reason why i knew it is that they were the people i dealt with um, particularly Creed, because uh, Mary was doing stuff in, in more the set design, the costume design, which was huge to mm-hmm. Tim's success. Mm-hmm. She had these envisionments of wonderful costumes uh, that she could, from her being a seamstress, bring into fruition. And she also did things for the set. So it really made it seem professional, even though... At the first, they were just, you know, kind of coming up with whatever uh, and yeah. didn't have much money. But I dealt with Creed all the time and having somebody be able to book it and you knew that the performer was going to be there and that they were going to be there on time and that they weren't going to flake out in any way was huge for people who were putting on the concerts because we put considerable effort into uh, to advertising and, and getting uh, people to come. Mm-hmm. But Probably not a bad deal for the perfect blend. 
Yeah. Well, at first it was at the Perfect Blend, and then we uh, got this wonderful facility at YWCA. the YWCA. And I wonder whether that even had to, something to do with us getting the YWCA, is that we were doing these kids' concerts. Because they had the stage and a really it was, nice... It was a big room. Yeah, it was a big room. Big we room. we uh, would set up tables like uh, like a little cafe type of thing. and But... Whenever I think of some of my favorite memories of my life, I think about the times that I was putting that together. Well, I, felt... I think that kind of energy, the exuberance of a children's performance, is right in your wheelhouse. I can, I can just picture you standing at the side as the concert's going on with this big grin on your face, <laughs> just kind of like... <laughs> Just absolutely loving it because of the, just the energy in the room. It just seems like it would be, knowing you as I do, I know that that would light you up probably more than, you know, a concert with me and Jim Page or somebody like that, you know, would light you up just because it's, there's so much delight in the air. And I know that you tend to resonate on a delight level uh, fairly frequently. <laughs> Well, it was wonderful. And then my other amazing experience I've talked about before, because we've talked about it when we had David Pileski on, since he was a part of that whole experience, um, that I was asked, because of my work with the, the Victory Kids concerts, I was asked to put on a, a series of kids' performances for the Point to Five Zoo in Ruston, Tacoma. And that was such a wonderful experience. But whenever I think about that, other than having Tim Noah show up and having so many people there, I, you know, like 5,000 people is what Tim and I remember. Um, My other favorite memory from that is that when my part was done about the setup and the announcement and everything is that Chela, my my dear dear friend who I've known since her birth, um, I I remember holding her in my arms and dancing around to um, to Tim's performance, and I really think that that was my experience of what the parents were feeling because she was young enough that she was still uh amazed and wowed by the experience and um and i just love that that feeling Mm -hmm. so the reason why i even thought about this rather than some of the other formative albums of my life is because i feel with this upcoming furlough like I have this feeling of, of summer vacation, you know, that, that feeling that you don't really feel as an adult that much of, I have nothing to do. Liberty. That, yeah. That I'm not going to have to <laughs> have to show up anywhere for a while. And, uh, so I thought that the, Wow Wow Wibble Woggle Wazzy Wibble Woo album would represent that for me. And particularly the songs that I chose were ones that I felt could have been on any contemporary pop album. There's very little to distinguish it as a child song. And I always thought that these songs were... 
um, important to the adults in the room as something that they could, I don't know, absorb into their own hearts about that innocence of being a kid and yet have some catchy melody. And I want to point out that the amazing keyboards you hear on one of the songs, uh, David Lands was <laughs> was the pianist on uh, on Tim's album and did keyboards and, and piano in this. So, you know, the interesting little funny things that happen through knowledge of people. Sunshiny morning Sunshiny morning The light has never been so bright before Sunshiny morning Sunshiny morning You came to me without warning We might dream of diamonds, we 
might wish for gold We might seek a fountain To keep from growing old But friendship is the treasure We were meant to share It can't be weighed or measured But still you know it's there Friendship is the fortune you find within your heart. So let's begin by being friends. Now's the time to start. Why don't we be friends? Sing along. Come on and sing your heart out. Why don't we be friends with a song and help each other out? Friends are all about And who knows what lies down the road Just around the bend We might find the pot of gold At the rainbow's end But a friend can make you feel so rich Even when you're poor When you can't read Scratch an itch Well that's what friends are for And when you're feeling lonesome When you're feeling sad A friend can hold you in their arms And you don't feel so bad Why don't we be friends? Sing along Come on and sing your heart why don't we be friends with a song and help each other out? That's what friends are all about. So if you go to outer space, take your friend along. Cause friends make funny faces and make up silly songs. And when you're making wishes, may I recommend the first wish I would ask for is one true honest friend. Why don't we be friends, sing along, come on and sing your heart out. Why don't we be friends with this song and help each other? Friends are all